premillennial, pre-tribulational, dispensational, independent, and standing on the inspired, preserved Word of God, the King James Bible as our final authority, this is the Sword of the Spirit Podcast with your host and Bible teacher, Joseph Rusiello. Take your Bible, sit back, and join us as we open and study the Word of God. And now, here's your host. Well, hey there, folks. Welcome to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. This is Joe Russiello, and it is great to be with you once again as we open up and study the precious Word of God, your King James Bible. And as always, wherever you are, whenever you are, and on whatever platform it is you find yourself listening to us on, it's always my prayer that you find yourself in the grace and in the mercy of our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to our Thursday night Bible study here at the Sword of the Spirit podcast. Uh, we've been going through the five T's, and tonight we're going to be getting into 1 Timothy chapter number 4, 1 Timothy chapter number 4. Now, for those of you who are new to us, 1 Timothy chapter 4 is uh, obviously in the, in the book of 1 Timothy, but you might be asking yourself, well, what on earth are the five T's? Well, the five T's are 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Timothy, and Titus. And uh, you also might be asking, well, why is it important to study these books? Well, it's important to study every book of the Bible. And uh, these particular books have a wealth of information for new believers, practical Christian living. It's a real, uh, it's a real treasure trove of useful information for us in the church age. But before we get into the Bible study, I'm going to ask you to head over to our website, swordofthespiritpodcast.com. That's swordofthespiritpodcast.com. And you can head on over to our contact section. And once you get over there, just fill out that little web form and uh, send us over a message. Let me know whatever's on your heart, whatever's on your mind, any uh, thoughts or concerns, or if you have any questions uh, or your prayer requests. I absolutely love getting the prayer requests. I love the questions that we've been getting, and I'm really thankful to everybody that uh, has been contributing in that way. So thank you so much. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. But if you don't like to use the web forms, that's fine. You can always email me directly at info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. That's info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. Also, while you're on the website, if you would look for that support this podcast button, uh, if the Lord leads you to do so, if it's something that you've been praying about, and if these uh, podcasts and live shows have been a blessing to you in any way, would you please consider supporting this ministry with a small monthly contribution? You can set it up for $0.99, cents, $4.99, or $9.99 a month. Now, I know that the economy's hard, uh, money's tight, inflation's up, uh, no matter what the news media might be telling you. Uh, I think that each and every one of us that goes to the supermarket on any given day can tell you how much inflation is up. And actually, if you really want to know, inflation's up 485%. That's right, 485% since this current administration took over two years ago. So think about that. 
gas when uh, this administration took over two years ago was $2.39 a gallon. Today, in some places that I've seen around town here, are over $5 a gallon. So things are tight. I understand that. But if you could make a one-time contribution in any amount, uh, we would appreciate that as well. There's a button on our website called Waygiver. Just click that button and you can send over whatever it is that uh, you're able to afford. But no matter what it is, as long as you pray about it and the Lord's been leading you to do it, and this has been a blessing to you in any way, I really would be very thankful for it. So, uh, of course, also, I'd like to say thank you to everybody uh, that is currently supporting us. And those of you who support us prayerfully, thank God for you. I appreciate you. I covet your prayers. Your prayers mean more to me than you can possibly imagine. And uh, they're very encouraging, too, as well. You know, uh, I, one, of the, one of the emails that I get that I, I love to get is just those simple, we're praying for you, preacher. We're praying for you, brother. We're praying for you. God bless you. I love those. Those are a real source of encouragement to me, so please keep them coming, and please keep us in your prayers. Uh, also, thank you to everybody who already supports us financially. God bless you for that. Uh, you guys, uh, really, with everything that you've uh, been contributing, uh, we're getting that much closer to our goal of being able to purchase uh, a couple of cases of Bibles that we could, we could have on hand to give out. So thank you so much for that. And of course, to all of our listeners, every single one of you who tune in faithfully every single time we do a live show, to everyone who tunes in uh, or downloads or plays the, uh, the shows as podcasts, thank you. Thank you so much. God bless you for that as well. And of course, beyond a doubt, I have to say thank you to the Lord Jesus Christ. I have to say that because if it wasn't for the Lord Jesus Christ, I wouldn't be here doing this. If it wasn't for the Lord Jesus Christ, you probably wouldn't be sitting here listening to this. So I appreciate it. I, I am so thankful to the Lord for the ministry that he's given me. Uh, you know, when I look over our, our, um, our numbers, you know, I know it's not about the numbers. It really isn't. I don't care. If there was one person listening and they got something from this, I'd be happy. But I'm looking over all the places that our show is being heard, and I can't believe how far we've been reaching out. I am absolutely blown away, and I'm, I'm so very thankful for that. Uh, Dr. Bob Cook said that if you can explain it, then God wasn't in it. Well, folks, I certainly cannot explain the, the, how far we've been reaching out. And so to me, God's in it. And I'm tremendously thankful for that. And, uh, and I, just, I just pray that, that it continues to be a blessing to you. And I, and I continue to pray that we can reach some more folks and uh, just do some really great things for the Lord. Now, folks, if you're in the Eagle Pass area and you're looking for a good King James Bible-believing and Bible-teaching church, would you please consider visiting us over at First Baptist Church of Eagle Pass? We meet at 664 North Monroe. Our Sunday school hour starts at 10 a.m. Our worship service is at 11. Our Sunday evening service is at 6 p.m. And our Wednesday night Bible study is at 7 p.m. For more information, you can visit the church's Facebook page just by logging into Facebook and searching for First Baptist Church of Eagle Pass. And of course, once you get over there, you're going to find a lot of helpful information, and you'll also find episodes of this podcast. But folks, wherever it is that you're listening, 
no matter where, what platform you're on, be sure to like, subscribe, and share it with your friends, your family, and your followers, and help us to spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's, there's, a, there's a reasons why, I say, why it's so important for us to do this. First of all, spreading the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, you live in a, in, in a very specific place. You have a very specific sphere of influence, uh, whether it's your friends, your family, your coworkers, people that you meet that no one else possibly could. That's your mission field. You know, a missionary is not always the guy that, you know, you send as a church or you, you help support to go to places like the Amazon or uh, China or um, uh, uh, Brazil or <laughs> wherever. I'm just trying to think of places that drew a blank. But you are a missionary also in the regard that there are people that you come into contact on a daily basis that nobody else has an opportunity to reach. So it's so important to spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You could spread the gospel simply by giving out a gospel tract, by sharing our Bible studies, by sharing our Sunday services, uh, or another Bible-believing broadcast. You could do that as well. I mean, however you can get the gospel out, you get the gospel out. It's so important today. The other reason why we want you to like, subscribe, and share it is that it helps with the algorithms for us. And what that basically means is that when you like, subscribe, share, you give a five-star rating on whatever platform allows you to do that. I think Spotify does that. There's a few others. Uh, you help by getting us into the algorithms for the search feeds. So when people are, are, are searching or typing in, you know, Bible study podcast or whatever, this is one of the shows that'll come up. Maybe not the top of the list, but it'll come up. And in that way, you're also helping out by getting the gospel spread. So folks, like, subscribe, share, give those five-star ratings. Make sure you're talking to your friends, your family, your followers on all your social media accounts and, and help us to spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is so very, very important today. And I know I've told you this before, but I, I truly believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is standing at the door. I truly believe that. I, I look at what's going on in the world today. I look at all the political movements that are going around in the world. You know, politics and the Bible are really not, you know, you really can't separate them. It's important to look at the world around you and see what's going on around you and apply it biblically. And once you start to do that, you start to see how the Lord's moving the chess pieces around the board. And I truly believe that the Lord is standing at the door, and he's going to be coming very, very soon. Personally, I believe it's going to be within my lifetime. Maybe yours too. That's why it's so important to get the gospel out. Easiest question in the world to ask can, can possibly be the hardest question for someone to answer, and that's, are you saved? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Have you ever come to a point in your life where you realize that there is nothing that you can do in and of yourself to get you into heaven? That no matter what good works you do, baptism, giving, um, you know, going to church, none of that stuff does anything 
to save you. The only thing that saves you is putting your full faith, trust, and confidence in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that was spilled for you on the cross of Calvary. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. It is so very, very important today, folks. You need to get the gospel out. And if you're, if you're listening to this and you're not saved, you need to get saved. Today is that day. Don't let the day go by. Don't let another minute go by. You need to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to be saved. And it really is just that simple. I think, honestly, I think that one of the torments of hell is when people realize that it wasn't any large, huge system of works that they had to get involved with, not no sacraments or anything like that, that all it was which is believing in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and trusting in that. So are you saved? If you're not, you can be today. You can be today. Folks, don't forget our Sunday afternoon uh, live shows at 3 p.m., our kind of like Sunday service. It's 3 p.m. Central Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, love doing that. I, I'm really enjoying doing the live shows with everybody. One of the great things about doing the live shows is that, you know, I can't I make mistakes and I can't stop, edit, you know, and try to make it better. It's just us doing our thing. So Sunday afternoon, 3 p.m., 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, don't forget, folks, you can also hear us on the Contra Radio Network. Their website is crn.best. Contra Radio Network is, uh, is if you're interested in prepping, uh, Contra Radio Network is, the, is probably the best source that I've come across where you can find information and programs and shows and podcasts about that subject. So check them out. Uh, really great contact. They're on Stitcher, iTunes, and TuneIn Radio. And again, their website is crn.best. And we're really thankful and we really appreciate that uh, they've asked us to take part in their network and that they're rebroadcasting our shows. I mean, it's a bl real blessing, tremendous blessing for us. Folks, don't forget to sign up for the uh, program announcements. So if you go to our website, soarthespiritpodcast.com, if you go down to the bottom of the page, you're going to see a subscription box on the website. Just fill out that subscription box, and when you do um, and you send it off, you get put on a mailing list, and all that happens is when we do shows and we have an, uh, or programming changes or, we, or if we're uh, doing any kind of uh, uh, interview or guest segment on the show, you'll get an email updating you on that uh, with all the links where you can listen as well. So uh, it doesn't cost you anything. I'm not going to sell your information. I'm not going to uh, spam you with a bunch of stuff that you really don't need to get. Uh, just the program announcements. So uh, just go to our website, sortofthespiritpodcast.com, fill out that form, and we'll get you on that mailing list. And then also, um, if you go to our website, uh, you're going to see a new tab on the website. Um, that tab says Sword Swag. So uh, 
when you go over there, we have our uh, Sword of the Spirit podcast ceramic coffee mugs. Now, if you haven't gotten yours yet, you better hurry up because I only have two left right now, just two left. And you can have those for a $25 contribution. Uh, just when you get onto that portion of the website, there's an, a button there to email me, and I'll get all of your information from you, and I'll tell you how you could submit your contribution, and um, we'll get that sent out to you right away. So go to our website, click the uh, Sorgeswag link, and it will take you right to it. You're also going to find our T-shirts on the website as well. Uh, those are available for a $35 contribution. They do take a little longer to get because we have them made custom uh, for you. So I don't have them on hand. So, uh, so yeah, $35 contribution for that. Just same, same process. Just click, click the email link there. Let me know your address, and I'll tell you how to send out the uh, contribution, and we'll get that sent out to you right away. All right, so what we're going to do here is we're going to take our first break of the evening before we get into our prayer requests, and I will be right back. Don't go anywhere. Hi, everyone. This is JJ, the co-founder of Good Pods. If you haven't heard of it yet, Good Pods is like Goodreads or Instagram, but for podcasts. It's new, it's social, it's different, and it's growing really fast. There are more than 2 million podcasts, and we know that it is impossible to figure out what to listen to. On Good Pods, you follow your friends and podcasters to see what they like. That is the number one way to discover new shows and episodes. You can find Good Pods on the web or download the app. Happy listening. Straight. 
song of the night. Thou art my hiding place. Amen. What a great song. Praise the Lord. Well, folks, welcome back to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. This is Joe Rusiello, and uh, so we've been going through our announcements and some, some little housekeeping stuff, so now we're going to get into our prayer requests. Now, since this is a Thursday night Bible study, we don't go through the entire prayer list. We do that on Sundays, but uh, what I do like to do is highlight some specific people and some uh, all the new additions to the prayer request. But uh, the first and foremost thing that we always pray for is salvation. So what I'd like to do tonight is I'm going to pray for, first of all, anybody who's listening right now that does not know the Lord Jesus Christ, their Savior, folks that I was talking to just a little while ago, I'm going to pray for you tonight that you would get saved. We're also going to pray for my mom, my sister, my granddaughter Carmela, and uh, David back in New York City for their salvation. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for the love, the mercy, the grace that you've shown us through the precious blood of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we lift up all of those here on our prayer list for salvation. Father, we just pray that you would touch each one of their hearts, that you would draw them to yourself, that you would use any opportunity, any instrument, anything to impress upon their hearts the need to put their full faith, trust, and confidence in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray for those that um, I was thinking of earlier when we first opened the broadcast tonight. I pray for anyone under the sound of my voice that's not saved, that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ, that doesn't know that they could be in heaven tonight. Father, I pray for them. I lift them up to you. I pray for my mom, my sister, my granddaughter, Carmela, David. They all need Jesus Christ, and I pray, Lord, that today would be the day that they would get saved. 
and we'll rejoice with them and we'll rejoice with the angels in heaven. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Salvation is so important, folks. It's the most important decision that you can make in your life. The most important decision. Now, moving over to our sick list, as always, we start off with Pastor Martin. Uh, For those of you that are new, that don't know Pastor Martin, Pastor Martin is uh, 88 years old. He had served in the ministry for over 50 years. Uh, Wonderful man. I I get the opportunity to speak to him often, and I'm very thankful for that opportunity. Uh, So we're going to pray for Pastor Martin. Pastor Martin, at his age, still goes out and street preaches. He still goes out and street preaches. What a blessing. What a blessing and what a challenge it is for us. So we're going to pray for Pastor Martin and for his health, his health concerns. We're going to pray for my mom as well for her, her health concerns. Uh, Bernice, I've mentioned Bernice to you uh, for, uh, for a while now. Bernice is a sister in our church, and she's been battling cancer, and uh, she's undergoing a new round of chemotherapy, and I was informed yesterday that she's feeling well. And uh, so we're thankful for that. So we're going to continue to pray for Bernice, uh, her mom as well. Uh, Alan, we've been praying for Alan. Alan has prostate cancer. And uh, they were determining what course of action they're going to take. And it looks like he's going to be going for some surgery uh, very soon. Uh, That was an update that I received yesterday as well. So we're going to pray for Alan uh, for his surgery. We're also going to pray for uh, for Angel. Angel uh, Angel has a respiratory infection, it seems, so we're going to keep her in prayer as well. Uh, Angel uh, also is. Uh, we have her on another part of the prayer list. She's she's pregnant right now. Uh, so I spoke to her husband Alex yesterday, and he he let me know about it. So we're going to pray for Angel as well. Our Heavenly Father, we just want to lift up those that are on our sick list to you tonight. We continue to pray for Pastor Martin. We're thankful for him. We're thankful for his years of service. Lord, we're thankful uh, for his heart to, even at his advanced age, to still want to serve in any way he possibly can. And we're thankful that you still have him going out street preaching. What a blessing. So we lift him up to you, Lord, and we just pray for him and for his health concerns. We're also praying for my mom for her ongoing health concerns as well. Uh, We're lifting up Bernice and Bernice's mom. Uh, and we're also going to pray for Alan tonight for the upcoming surgery that he'll be having. Father, for Alan and Bernice and dealing with cancer, we pray that, Lord, you would just use the doctors and use the uh, the knowledge, the skills, and the abilities that you have blessed them with to properly treat and take care of the uh, of, of, of the cancer that they're dealing with and they're fighting with, and, Lord, that you would touch them and bring healing. Lord, we also want to pray for Angel as she's recovering from a respiratory infection. Lord, we just ask you to, just to give her health, give her strength. And Lord, we just lift her up to you tonight, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, and I'm moving down our list. Uh, we're going to pray for just a few few folks here. We're still praying for Jude, uh, my brother-in-law, back in New York City for his business. We're praying for George for his contracts here with the City of Eagle Pass. Uh, Robert uh, is, a border, is a, uh, serving on the border with the National Guard. We're praying for Adam and Armando, who are Border Patrol agents and good friends. Uh, we're also praying for Angel for her pregnancy. And uh, also we're going to pray for Isabella, 
Alex's sister, uh, Angel's husband's, or so her sister-in-law, for uh, her walk with the Lord. Heavenly Father, we want to lift up uh, all these folks to you tonight, Lord. We just pray for them. We pray for Jude, for his business. We pray, Lord, that you would direct some 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 good contracts his way. We're praying for George that uh, the contract that he's waiting to settle on would be settled and uh, he'd be able to continue uh, performing his uh, his work for the city. Lord, we're lifting up uh, Robert, Adam, Armando, and all of the Border Patrol agents, National Guardsmen, law enforcement that are working here on the border, uh, keeping us safe. Father, we want to thank you so much for them, for their service. And Lord, we just pray that you would just bless them with safety. We pray that you would bless them with the ability to be good gospel witnesses to those that are around them. And Lord, we just pray that you would use them in a mighty way. Uh, Father, we also want to pray for uh, for Angel uh, with her pregnancy. And of course, we want to pray for Isabella, Alex's sister, and her walk with the Lord. Father, we want to thank you so much that you do answer prayer. And Lord, we just want to thank you so much for your tremendous blessings for us. Lord, we also want to lift up all of those that have unspoken prayer requests. Lord, I think of Dan, uh, Jim Hall, and uh, Eduardo Rodriguez uh, as well. Uh, Father, you know what their concerns are. You know what their needs are. Father, we pray that you would just answer their prayers and, of course, all of the prayers on our prayer list according to your perfect will and for your honor, for your glory, and for the majesty of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we do pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. Folks, if you have any prayer requests whatsoever, you can always email them to me. Just uh, send, me a, send me an email to info at com, or you can go onto our website onto the contact form, and you can send that form in as well. All right. Well, we've gotten through the announcements, the... Um, our prayer list. We don't have any questions for us uh, for tonight. So what we'll do here is we'll uh, we'll go on to uh, our next break. And uh, what we'll do is give you a chance to get your King James Bible if you didn't do it already. Grab yourself a nice hot cup of coffee like I have or a bottle of water. And when we come back, we're going to be getting into today's Bible study on 1 Timothy chapter 4. Oh, also, the chat room is open. If you're logged into Spreaker, you can uh, get involved in the chat group right there. And uh, we'll be back right after this.
This book contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's character. Christ is its subject, our good its design, and the glory of God its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It is given to you in life, will be open in the judgment, and be remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, rewards the greatest labor, and condemns all who trifle with its holy precepts. The King James Bible, God's Holy Book. And welcome back, folks. This is the Sword of the Spirit podcast, and this is Joe Russiello. Well, chat room's open. Uh, Brother Jason's there. Didn't think he was going to make it, but we're glad he did. And uh, we're going to get into our study here in just a second. Uh, okay. So, folks, would you please go grab your Bible uh, and open it up to 1 Timothy chapter number 4. 1 Timothy chapter number four, and we're going to get started here in just about a second. All right, let's see, got everything we need, we're good to go, get some coffee here, got to get some coffee. So while you're looking for First Timothy chapter four, just want to remind you, election day is coming. Uh, if you didn't vote yet, you should get out and vote. I went yesterday, I voted, it was very quick, very easy here in Eagle Pass, it was a uh, Real blessing to take part in the system, and uh, I know this isn't uh, the podcast to really talk about um, voting, but it's very important to get out and vote. If you haven't done it, please do. If you are thinking about not voting this year, you don't have a reason to not vote. You should get out and vote, and uh, if you do go, uh, try to bring some folks with you. It's important. We have to get a good turnout. Got to get a good turnout. You got to take part in the process here, okay? So get out and vote if you haven't done that already. And uh, that's kind of a good segue. I forgot to mention um, that uh, uh, we are going to be launching our Bible, I'm sorry, our uh, political podcast uh, starting uh, around Election Day, which is next week, by the way. Um, it's called the Mighty Righty Podcast. Uh, it's already on all of the major podcasting platforms, we have a couple of test run episodes up there just to establish the feed. But if you can get on and uh, if you want to check it out, we'll be launching our first official episode sometime next week. So uh, pray about that and pray that the Lord uses that as well. All right, folks, First Timothy chapter 4, and let's get to verse number 1. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, 
that in latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Well, doesn't the Spirit always speak expressly? Well, of course he does. And here, Paul is just kind of emphasizing that point. Uh, he's just making it crystal clear he's, he, that the Spirit is delivering this particular message. Uh, and it's really like that anytime we read the Word of God. You know, we need to understand that it's the Spirit of God that conveys the message to us. You know, Peter said, uh, "For the prophecy came, yep, yeah, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake, as they were moved by the Holy Ghost." And then they wrote down what they were told by the Spirit of God to write down, and that's how we get the scriptures. So Paul here is just emphasizing that. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times... Now, man, if we don't live in the latter times now, I don't know what we live in. I think that, that every indicator that you could find in your Bible toward the latter times is being fulfilled in our lifetime. And so I, I, I think it's safe to say without any fear of any kind of you know, contradiction, serious contradiction of any type, that we live in the latter times. That's why I was saying earlier it's so important to get the gospel out. It's so important. We live in the latter times. And, you know, even a lot of cultists that come around and knock on your door, and they, you know, they, what they try to do is, you know, selling you those, uh, those Watchtower magazines. You know, uh, the guys that come with the white shirts and the black ties. You know, what they try to do is they, they try to appeal to you with some kind of a last time message. So I think that people really do have, like, um, I guess, an innate understanding that perhaps we live in a time that's, I mean, really, it's unprecedented and unparalleled. I'll tell you another way you can know. Uh, all you need to do is just really stand in line at the grocery store. You know, you, you look and when you're standing there, I do this all the time. You know, you stand around the grocery store, you look at the front pages of all the tabloids. You know, you can almost guarantee that one out of ten will have something to do with latter times. You know, fulfilled prophecies, uh, aliens coming from outer space, you know, stuff like that. You know, all of that actually have latter time ramifications. The Bible says that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So why? Um, well, when when people come across with the idea that as long as you're sincere, you know, everything is cool and copacetic in your life, you know, how, how can that possibly be? When God says that in the latter times, there's going to be many who depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. If you're giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, how can everything be all right? It couldn't possibly be. So those kind of statements, they just demonstrate a certain ignorance of the Word of God. Now, you need to catalog these kinds of verses in your mind. So, you know, the next time someone tries to run that out on you, you could say, oh, well, oh, okay, wait, 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 wait. I got a verse. Let me show you a verse. And then I, and then I, I love it when people try to say, well, you know, that's just your interpretation. Really? <laughs> You know, some of these verses are so clear, there can only be one interpretation. 
So then my response is usually, you know, well, what's your interpretation then? You know, what's your interpretation of a seducing spirit and adoption of the devil? So God is preparing us to understand that the latter time is just going to be fraught and is fraught with spiritual adversaries and difficulties. So what are some of the characteristics of this then? Okay, well, I'm glad you asked. Let's look at verse 2. Speaking lies. Well, not telling the truth. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. So some people have no difficulty in communicating lies, and some to the extent that they believe it themselves, because their conscience has been seared with a hot iron. Now, a conscience is something that everyone is born with. Every human being has a conscience, but that conscience can be seared over, kind of like a branding iron, seared with a hot iron, and it's seared to the extent that reason and faith and, and good things no longer penetrate. It's beyond penetration. Okay, so what he's doing here, he's setting the stage. Now, here are some of the specifics. Verse 3, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Now, who do you suppose? Well, does this fit any group of folks that you could think of? Forbidding to marry? Commanding to abstain from meats? Now, I'm going to list for you a number of things that have been introduced into Catholicism. Now, I know it looks like I'm picking on Catholicism today, right? Well, in, in a way I am, I guess. But when you look at it, there are a variety of other religions that, to one degree or another, conform to this hypocrisy also. For example, the Hindus in India refuse to eat beef because they think that they're reincarnated ancestors. It's estimated, and I forgot where I saw this, but it's estimated that rats consume 50% of India's rice crop because they offer it to them in the temples. So there's a lot of religiosity that uh, one way or another can conform to this. So someone might say, well, you know, he's picking on the Catholics. No, I'm not, really. I'm picking on religion. If you want to be technical, I'm picking on religion. So let's, let's kind of briefly take a look at some of these items here on my list, okay? First up is they tell, they tell you the Bible is the Word of God, but they don't really believe it. Do you know how I know they don't believe it? Because they make tradition equal with the Bible. That's official Roman doctrine. That tradition is equal with the Bible. And they did that at the Council of Trent in 1545. Scripture is to be elevated above all else. Above all else. It's the Scripture that matters. That's why in our, in our opening uh, of the show, we say, standing on the, on the authority of the King James Bible, our only authority. It's the scripture that matters. 
confession of sins to the priest. Well, confession of sins to the priest at least once a year was instituted by Innocent III at the Lateran Council in the year 1215. So at least once a year, you have to go to the priest and confess your sins to him. But the book says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So do you know why a lot of bad Catholic doctrine bothers me so much? Because I used to be a Catholic. Most of my family is still entrenched in Catholicism. It troubles me to think that they could die and go to hell without understanding the simplicity of the gospel. So the Bible commands us to do what? The Bible commands us to confess our sins directly to God. I can't tell you how happy I am that I don't have to listen to someone telling me their sins. I mean, you talk about thoughts of suicide. Good night, man. Wouldn't that just be absolutely wretched? I mean, I, whew, I can't tell you how happy I am that I don't have to listen to that. Now, you go directly to the Lord Jesus Christ, and you confess your sins to him. Because if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You go directly to him. All right? Then there's the doctrine of purgatory. The doctrine of purgatory was proclaimed as a dogma of the faith by the Council of Florence in 1439. There is not a single word in the Bible that would teach purgatory or anything about it. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Purgatory isn't going to cleanse you because, number one, it doesn't exist. And if it did, it still couldn't cleanse you. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you. All right, fasting on Fridays and during Lent was imposed in 998 by the Pope, uh, said to be interested in the commerce of fish. So in other words, they bought a lot of stock in the fish market. So this is, again, against the plain teaching of the gospel. What did Paul say in verse 3 about abstaining from meats? He said, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. You know, sometimes I joke, and, and I, I, there's an element of seriousness to it, uh, about praying before a meal. I would say, okay, who's going who's gonna to pray and take the curse off this? I mean, there really is some legitimacy to that. Because when you stop and think about it, all the things that you eat, you know, like my usual breakfast, not always, but usually, it's a granola bar and a cup of coffee and a cup of yogurt. Sometimes I look at that granola bar and I wonder if there's a grasshopper in there or something. You know, but of course, with the push today by the left wing nutjobs to force you to eat bugs, I mean, you never know, that just might be. So read the packaging carefully. Uh, speaking of which, did you see in Sweden, they now have insect burgers on the shelves? Did you see that? Look it up. I'm not kidding. I'm absolutely not kidding. You know, when you eat that delicious steak, you know, it's probably been, been pumped full of steroids or, or who knows what else. The best solution that I have for you, because I know some people get whacked out about their diet, I, I know, and they're only going to eat organic, you know, they can only eat right because some fitness guy on TV said so, you know. But you know what I think the best solution is? 
I think the best solution is just, just to bow your head and say, Dear Lord Jesus, please take the curse off this mess. I tried, take, I tried asking him to take the calories off once, but he said he was on my own with that. But he says if you want to eat rattlesnake or gopher or, or, or whatever you want to eat, it really doesn't matter. Go for it. It really doesn't matter because it needs to be received with thanksgiving of them that believe and know the truth. So fasting isn't a bad thing. It, it can be a good thing. But fasting is never imposed through the articles of legalism. It comes about when, when God stirs our hearts and it stirs our minds to get alone and separated with the Lord through that exercise. It doesn't have anything to do with anything else. Okay, the Mass. The Mass was developed gradually as a sacrifice. Attendance was made a requirement in the 11th century. Okay, so what is the Mass? The Mass is em embracing a doctrine that we call transubstantiation. All right, well, that's a big word. What's that mean? <laughs> well, transubstantiation is the teaching that... Um, the elements of the communion, you know, the bread and the wine, literally, not symbolically, like we believe, but literally turn into the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the teaching of the Mass. Just think about that. The priest is standing up at, at their altar. He takes the bread and he turns around and he faces that portion that's behind him. He holds, up the, he holds up the bread and he says, Behold the bread of life. Right? And in that moment, what he's doing through all of that hocus pocus is supposedly, according to Catholic doctrine, the priest has the power to pull Jesus Christ out of heaven and put him in that cookie. And that's how you receive Jesus Christ through the Catholic Church. That's the teaching of the Mass. So you're literally consuming the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. Well, aside from making you a heretic, you know what else that makes you? It makes you a cannibal. It makes you a cannibal, right? And what's worse, what's worse than that is when you start to think about it, what's the end result? I'm not trying to be crude. I'm really not. But think about it. Where does the body and the blood of Jesus Christ end up? In the sewer, right? That's blasphemous, folks. That's blasphemous. And that's not all. That's not all. Don't forget, they also believe that not only do they have the body of Christ in that cookie, but they have the blood of Christ, the literal blood of Christ in the cup. In three dispensations, folks, we're told not to consume blood. You find it before the law in Genesis chapter 9 and verse 4. You find it during the law, Leviticus 3.17 726 in verse 27, 17, 10 to 14, uh, 19, 26, Deuteronomy 12, 16 to 23, 
15.23, Ezekiel 33.25. You find it after the law. In Acts chapter 15, verse 20, 29, uh, 21, verse 25. So three dispensations were told not to consume blood. We're not to partake of it. And believe me, there's a lot more information I can give you on it. We just don't have the time tonight for it. It might be good for a future study, but we'll see. All right, but you need to understand that when we observe the Lord's Supper, when a Bible believer observes the Lord's Supper, and you do it in a biblical context, in a biblical way, it's only a commemoration of what the Lord did for us. It's an acknowledgement and remembrance to, to do this in remembrance of me is what Jesus Christ said. All right, what about the celibacy of the priesthood? Oh, wait a minute. Forbidding to marry, Paul said. The celibacy of the priesthood was declared by Pope Hildebrand Boniface VII in the year 1079. Now, Jesus did not impose a rule like that, and neither did the apostles. As a matter of fact, the first so-called Pope, Peter, was married. Did you know that? If you're a Bible believer, you should. Peter was married, and as I recall, Jesus healed his mother-in-law, didn't he? It's kind of hard to have a mother-in-law if you're not married. I mean, who would want one? I mean, if you're not married, right? Unfortunately, for this doctrine, old St. Peter was a married man. And by the way, didn't we just last week read in chapter 3 that Paul told us that bishops were to have a wife and children? We just read that. So that doesn't work. Okay, what about the rosary or prayer beads? Those were introduced by Peter the Hermit in the year 1090. Now, you can also find prayer beads in the practice of Hinduism. Islam has them. Uh, it's, in, it's the pagan practice of counting prayers, which is expressly condemned by the Lord Jesus Christ back in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. So it's just another false doctrine that's being introduced. Or how about this one, that the Bible is forbidden to laymen? What's a layman? A layman is somebody who's not a priest, just a regular, everyday Joe. The Bible was forbidden to laymen and was placed in the Index of Forbidden Books by the Council of Valencia in 1229. But Jesus commanded that the Scriptures should be read by all. Now in America, because Americans are more educated and more intolerant of these types of rules, the Church doesn't really push that so much. They really don't try to enforce that. But, you know, in a lot of third-world countries, they really do. I've heard firsthand stories from missionaries in foreign fields talk about how they would, they would go around and hand out Bibles or New Testaments, and then shortly afterwards, nuns would show up and take them away in conformance with that bad doctrine. We don't want the lay people to read the Word of God. And let me tell you, it doesn't matter what religion we're talking about. If that religion is interested in dominating people's lives and controlling them, they don't want you reading that book. Because that book is a book of freedom. It's a book of liberty. 
the more we can get people as a society out of that book and the closer the chains of bondage come. Our forefathers fought and bled and died for freedom. And the greatest influence on their minds and hearts was this book right here. One I have sitting right here in front of me. That's what motivated them and compelled them to do what they did. So the scriptures, the scriptures are to be read by all. All right, folks, we're going to stop here and take a break, and we'll pick this up when we get right back from this break. Don't go away. Folks, welcome back to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. This is Joe Russiello, and uh, we are studying First Timothy, chapter number four. Sorry, I got a little caught up in uh, the chat group. Reverend Kurt is here with us tonight as well. Welcome, brother. Good to have you here. I think this is the first time that uh, that you've listened live, as far as I know. 
but uh, it's a real blessing to have you. Brother Kurt, is, uh, we've prayed for Brother Kurt uh, several times already, so uh, if you're in the chat room and you're not saying anything, just uh, say hello to him. All right, folks, uh, getting back to our text over here in 1 Timothy chapter 4, 1 Timothy chapter 4. 4. So uh, Paul here is wrapping up this thing and, and about what you can eat, what you can't eat, and uh, we'll pick it up in verse 4 here. Uh, for every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. Several years ago, there was a lady in, in the church I was in that was a real, like, crazy health nut. But, you know, to each his own, right? I really don't care. And that's part of liberty, right? I mean, if you want to live on bananas and crackers, you know, help yourself. Go ahead. Who cares? <laughs> I really don't care. Um. But uh, oftentimes after church, my family and I would go get a pizza or, or, or whatever, like some fast food stuff. Mostly it was pizza, though. And, at, and, you know, from time to time, we would invite some folks to come with us. Believe it or not, that highly, highly offended her. And one day she came up to me and she said, um, she goes, you know, you're encouraging people to kill themselves. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> I guess I missed that. How so? By eating pizza. Now, look, I'll be honest with you, okay? I loved getting pizza loaded with just about everything on it. The only thing I didn't like on pizza was pineapple, which should never be on a pizza, and anchovies. Okay, that's pretty much all. That, that was where I cut the limit. But um, basically, anything and everything would go on there, and, you know, like the whole kitchen sink thing. Uh, so I said to her, I said, well, what do you mean? And, and, I, and I took it to these verses right here, and I said, well, if I receive it with Thanksgiving, I could eat it. Well, she didn't know what to do with that. She was absolutely convinced that I was setting a bad example and leading people astray, inviting them out for pizza. And, you know, it's, I mean, look, it's probably a good thing to eat healthy. Okay. You know, you know, watch what you consume and what you don't. And it, it, it's probably a bad thing to just be so totally ambivalent to what we eat. But, you know, everything needs to be sanctified, right? All right verse five by the word of God and prayer. Now, it's an exercise that we take for granted, all right? But prayer really does work. Prayer really does work. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. So the word sanctified means to um, set apart for a godly purpose or, or use. So it's really not a coincidence that the Lord uses the word sanctified. Now, if you go back and study the tabernacle, a lot of, this, a lot of stuff gets sanctified back there, right? It's a sanctified deal. All the parts, all the pieces that are connected with the, with the tabernacle were sanctified. They're set apart for godly use. God, there's, there's three kinds of sanctification, if you want to study that in your New Testament. All right, and this is just a sidebar. I'm just going to throw this in just for clarification. All right, uh, number one, you were sanctified when you were saved. Weren't you set apart for a godly purpose when you got saved? You were sanctified. That's past. When you got saved, you were sanctified. So that's past. There's a present sanctification. God's not done with you. He's working on you. He's laboring in you to get you set apart for a godly purpose. That's, isn't that right? Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And then third, there's the final or the ultimate sanctification and that'll happen at the rapture. You'll finally, totally, completely 
be sanctified and set apart for all eternity for a godly use. Amen. Looking forward to that. Verse 6. If you put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. So keep in mind that Paul is addressing a young preacher, his young protege in the ministry, and he says, now here's how to be a good minister. You keep reminding the brethren of these words concerning faith and good doctrine. Many times over, many times over, Paul emphasizes to young Timothy about the necessity of good doctrine. You know, doctrine either aids and helps people, or bad doctrine sends people into all kinds of trouble. Safe people can get really caught up in bad doctrine also. Paul wrote a book, wrote the book of Galatians specifically to address some bad doctrine that had proliferated, pro proliferated that church. And what he was trying to do is he was trying to straighten them out. Because he knew that bad doctrine would lead people astray. Let me give you an example that, that comes to mind. There's a lot of outfits out there that they may be saved people. They may preach the gospel. They may get, they may get people saved. And we thank God for all of that. But they teach people that they can be saved. And then if you turn around and stub your toe, you can lose it. You know, many years ago, they did a survey down at a mental, mental institutions in California. Of course, it would be California. They discovered that 45% of the residents in these institutions came from an Armenian or a charismatic background. And I thought about that, and I kind of wondered why. But I'm going to tell you why. These people live, or, they, or I should say they, they drive themselves crazy, wondering day to day, if they're saved or if they're lost. Do I have it? Did I lose it? How do I get it back? And then they drive themselves crazy. Folks, I've, I've never given a second thought as to whether I've ever lost my salvation. But I give a lot of thought about how I've disappointed the Lord. But that's something totally different. You know, the father waited for the prodigal son to come home. He never lost his sonship. He lost his fellowship. That's what he lost. So good doctrine. Good doctrine is critical to keep people on the straight and narrow in their thought processes. To keep them in the joy of the Lord. You don't have the joy of the Lord if you're encumbered and burdened with bad doctrine. Verse 7, But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Well, he never really explains what exactly he means by the old wives' fables. That's because it's such an encompassing term. You know, it, it really could, could be every kind of crazy thing that anybody ever thought of. Paul knew, though, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that there would be a bazillion crazy, you know, dingbat doctrines introduced over the next 2,000 years, and he couldn't list them all. So instead, you know what he does? He says, but refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. And then this little caveat is introduced, verse 8, for bodily exercise profiteth little. Well, he didn't say it didn't profit at all, did he? He said it profited little. 
You know, we live in an age where a great deal of emphasis is placed on asceticism. Well, what's asceticism? Well, asceticism is essentially worshiping the body. You know, people are running 20 miles a day, you know, getting involved with the extreme workout routines. You know, I tried one of those. It was the craziest thing I ever did. It really was. I mean, I lost a lot of weight. I got I got really fit very quickly. But, you know, the minute that you stop, it all comes crashing back. You know, I played – when I was in high school, I played uh, – I was a three-sport guy. I played football and hockey in private leagues, and I played baseball for my high school. I hated it. <laughs> I did. I hated it. That was all I did. Sleep, eat, work out, play, eat, work out, sleep. That's all I did. It was absolutely, it was absolutely insane. The only reason why I stuck with it all was because I was pretty good at it, but I didn't like it. But there's such an emphasis on the body and such little emphasis on the spirit. All Paul is saying is that if you want to exercise, it's okay. Do what you need to do. You know, run, ride a bike, lift, whatever it is. But approach it with your priorities straight. He said, for bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. All he's suggesting is that there's a great deal more profit in spiritual exercise than there is bodily exercise. But interestingly, he uses the word exercise, right? Verse 7, exercise thyself rather unto godliness. So seeking spiritual truth and applying it to your heart and your soul is like an exercise. If exercise is going to do anybody any good all at all, a person has to be diligent and consistent with it. Amen? It doesn't do any good to go out and run a mile once a month. You know, save yourself. You have to be consistent with it. You know, I have a friend that I played football with and, and, and trained with, and he had a rule. His rule was every time you eat, you work out. So if you ate three times a day, you worked out three times a day. If you ate five times a day, you would worked out five times a day. Wouldn't it be something if Christians applied that same principle to their spiritual exercise? As often as we eat, you know, we, we, we eat the word of God. Man, we'd have a bunch of spiritual giants walking around, wouldn't we? Now, verse 9. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Okay, so, so this is certainly worth our consideration. That's what he's saying. Verse 10. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. Now, this is one of those verses that could be misconstrued, and people can walk away with the idea, uh, if they want to, that everybody's saved. But that's not the intent of this verse, who is the Savior of all men. Didn't Jesus die for everybody? Well, he certainly did. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not, con not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So yeah, he's the Savior of all men, but he's not your Savior until you believe. Then he becomes your Savior. When you believe, 
when you trust him. Verse 11, these things command and teach. So the admonition here is to this young preacher, uh, be careful with your doctrine. Have sound doctrine and understand that exercise in the spiritual world is critical. And you need to communicate these rules, command and teach them. Let no man despise thy youth. So Timothy was a young preacher. Well, how old was he? I have no idea. But he was a young man compared to Paul. Timothy may have been uh, intimidated by older saints in the church. When I was the AP back in that church in New York, most of the people in the church were older than I was. Some of them were saved longer than I was. Our senior pastor pulled me aside one day and told me that the best way I was going to get their respect and keep their respect was to know more about the book than they did. So I had to diligently apply myself to studying that book. So Paul says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Well, that's some list, right? That's a heavy-duty list. He said, you be an example in all these areas of your life, and then your youth won't be a problem. Verse 13, till I come, give attendance to reading and exhortation to doctrine. Once again, do you see where the emphasis is? You read the book. You exhort those from the book. You pay attention to doctrine. Now, isn't it fascinating? You know, if you if you pay attention to if you pay attention to these things, but th there's a lot of a lot of effort for for those various you know ecumenical exercises to get these different kinds of churches and religious groups together. And when they do, for whatever reason, and for whatever it is they're trying to do, they feel compelled to say, "We're not going to dispute over doctrine. We're not going to allow doctrine to become an issue." I don't think Paul would have been welcomed in their group. Do you? Doctrine was a priority to him. It was essential. It was critical that they got their doctrine right. And when you think about it, if the doctrine is wrong, then everything else is wrong. It must be right. It has to be true. Verse 14, neglect not the gift that is in thee which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. All right, now what's that all about? Does that mean that we should all be Presbyterians? <laughs> what does that mean? What Paul's referring to is the particular time when they ordained young Timothy into the ministry. And we're going to come into that right after this quick break. We'll be right back. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart, that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. 
For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. I said unto you, that ye also have seen me, and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is athirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely.
Amen. So uh, Reverend Kurt asked if I could mention the name of the song and the group, and that was Walk in the Spirit by the Soundforth Singers and Orchestra. Uh, all the songs on the show tonight were from the Soundforth Singers and Orchestra. Uh, we started off with, um, let's see, My Song of the Night was the first, then When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, Holy Spirit, Light Divine, and then Walk in the Spirit. So those were the, those were the songs that we played. The other tracks are different. All right. Well, I don't know if you've ever seen or participated in an ordination service, but it's really a fascinating event. Uh, if you have the opportunity to see one, I, I would really say don't miss it. It's really worth your time and attention. It really is. I, I, I had the privilege of seeing two over my life. And uh, the first one I saw was when my uncle was ordained into the uh, Seventh-day Adventist uh, uh, ministry. Uh, as a pastor of a church in Pennsylvania, and that was I was very very young at the time. I was uh, I I don't know I want to say maybe twelve or so, but I remember it very very well. And um, it was a very moving, a very emotional uh, uh, event. Um, I also had the opportunity to see what a Bible believing ordination was all about, and it was quite different uh, in in a lot of ways. Uh, typically an ordination service works something like this. Again, at least in the Bible-believing world. You know, a young preacher wants to be ordained. Uh, it's other preachers or pastors that do the ordaining. Generally, that's how it works. Uh, and uh, how it kind of plays out is the pastor of the local church that the young man has been involved in usually has had plenty of time to, you know, watch this young man, observe him in his life, his ministry, his testimony, uh, his knowledge of the word, all of these things. So he recommends at ordination. Uh, other pastors of like faith and practice are called in to participate in the ordination. And then uh, the day comes, or perhaps even uh, days before, where this young man is basically interrogated by this council, otherwise known as the presbytery. So he sits in front of them, and it's a free-for-all. It really is. Uh, they can ask him any question they want to ask. And some of these guys can be brutal. You know, uh, you know, uh, what do you think about super uh, lapsarianism? What? <laughs> you know, who's he? Uh, but he's compelled to answer these questions. So this, the session could last 30 minutes or it could last three to four hours. It could be very tedious. Uh, sometimes they have to take, you know, three coffee breaks. But he's interrogated uh, until that committee or that presbytery is fully convinced that this young man is a good candidate for the ministry. Then it's the church that actually does the ordaining. It's the church that calls for the ordination. So the presbytery or the council is recommending to the church that they call for this ordination. The church votes on that just like they would vote on any other business thing. Then the church... Then the church uh, uh, calls for the ordination of this young preacher. Sorry, he's got an itch on my nose all of a sudden. Uh, then the church calls for the ordination of this young preacher. Um, it doesn't always have to be young, but you know, nonetheless, you know, at, at the ordination service itself. Now, keep in mind, the presbytery has already recommended that the church and and the, and the church has already voted on and approved the ordination of this young preacher. 
some churches then go a step further and have a, a public interrogation. It's the same thing that took place in private, but it's 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 done to get the gospel out to the young man's unsaved family members that would be in attendance. When I went to my friend's ordination, he told me he was warned in advance. Uh, he told me he was warned in advance that they would publicly interrogate him, and they gave him a cheat sheet, basically. Uh, so he knew which questions were coming at that interrogation. And then he was told ahead of time. Uh, and then, then the questions would be about the gospel. So one question was, what do you believe about the virgin birth? Uh, what do you believe about the blood atonement? What do you believe about grace? What do you believe about salvation? They're prepared questions so that he has the opportunity through answering of those questions to get the gospel out. And then having done that, there's a pastor or a preacher of his selection that would preach what they call the charge. So Paul, in another reference, talks about the charge. So the charge is, it's really a, a sermon, and the sermon is charging him, and if he's married his wife, to be faithful in the ministry that God has called them to do. And then at the conclusion of that, the young man then comes to the front, he kneels down, and then all these preachers gather around him in a circle, and they lay hands upon him, and they pray over him. That verse is where they get the whole ordination from. That's where they get it from. So we're trusting God, that God will give him the wisdom, the gifts, the tenacity to endure this ministry no matter how long or, in some cases, how short it is. Verse 14, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that, they, that thy profiting may appear to all. Don't forsake them, just meditate on them, absorb them, assimilate them, use them. Verse 16, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Paul just can't seem to get away from this word doctrine. He loves doctrine. He's into it. Now, if you know anything about the Pauline ministry, it was about the teaching of doctrine, continuing them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Now, he's not talking here. Look, a text without a context is a pretext. Okay, I think you've heard me say that before. The context that he's talking about is, is really very clear. All right? He's not talking about the salvation of the soul. You know, the word save is used a lot of different ways in your Bible just like you and I would use it in a lot of different ways. What he's talking about here is he's talking about saving his ministry. Okay, saving his ministry. Well, how's he going to save his ministry? With good, sound doctrine and continuing in it. There will always be a demand. There will always be a thirst. There will always be a hunger. Although maybe, although it may be by a select few, but it will still be there for good doctrine. I mean, if that wasn't true, you wouldn't be listening. Amen? Amen. 
Well, I'm looking at the clock here, folks. I think I think we're going to bring it to an end here, okay? Um, we're going to come to the end of 1 Timothy chapter 4. So, folks, I just want to say again, thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Don't forget to visit the website, swordofthespiritpodcast.com, and uh, you know, click that Support This Podcast button for, to make that recurring contribution or the Waygiver button for a one-time contribution. Pray for me. Pray for this ministry. And remember, folks, remember, we have to win the lost. Win the lost at all costs. You've been listening to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. If you have any questions or comments, visit our website at swordofthespiritpodcast.com and send us a message. Or email us directly at info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. Until next time, God bless you and good day.